This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Music and crabs. No, not the STI, although that would be its own very dark, dark podcast. I want to talk about music and crabs and how they relate to one another. I'll fill you in on that soon. But basically, hi, it's Derek. This is Derek G Speaks Volumes, where I talk about everything music, culture, and analysis, and the complexities within the music world. But the theme for this episode is convergence. And what I mean by convergence is that I want to and will be analyzing how there can be two very, very separate tracks within music, music genres, music fandoms that exists completely separate to one another, not adjacent, not even parallel, just completely separate. But then at some point in their journey, they start to converge to this point where they're kind of almost the same thing or they unite or they combine in a certain way, which I find its own unique musical phenomenon because it doesn't happen very often. And I'm going to give you examples. What am I talking about crabs? Here's a key question that I pulled from the internet. Why do animals keep evolving into crabs? This is a quote. A crab-like body plan has evolved at least five separate times among decapod crustaceans, a group that includes crabs, lobsters, and shrimp. In fact, it's happened so often that there's a name for it, carcanization. Carcanization is an example of a phenomenon called convergent evolution, which is when different groups independently evolve the same traits. It's the same reason both bats and birds have wings. That's the crab theory. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that music comes from different places, different cultures, different worlds, different countries, different mindsets, right? You can come from the hardened streets of Baltimore. You can come from the sunny climes of Sydney, Australia. But then just like the crabs or carcanization, sometimes those same disparate feelings can converge into the same ethos, sound, philosophy, but being entirely inspired by different things. And in many ways, this convergence of genres can and never should go together. It's not like it's a no-brainer that they were always going to be that because you could say, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, punk from Sao Paulo might not have heard punk from France, from Paris, but they sound the same. That's not what I mean. It's almost like the complete opposite. Scar from Sao Paulo and jazz from Paris, they end up evolving to the point where they both sound the same. There's multiple ways in which convergence can happen. Convergence can happen with separate genres that almost become the same. It can also be convergence of fans and appreciators of something that they would not be exposed to or even particularly like or respect. And something happens in culture that makes them respect that. That is also a version of convergence in my mind because I think that there are ways and oddities within music that kind of bring audiences together and they kind of accept it because it's been given, shown, shown through a window or a door that they can trust. And I think trust and convergence is a huge part of audiences accepting new things. And the first entry in the convergence hat is King Cruel and Dean Blunt. I kind of have this running theory in my head that King Cruel and Dean Blunt are basically the same person. Because when you look at it on the surface, you have King Cruel on XL. He is a 
indie artist. He is a guitarist. He is a singer-songwriter. He is a British lo-fi troubadour. On the other hand, you have Dean Blunt, who is an underground rapper who's worked with everyone from Nicki Minaj to Future to ASAP Rocky, is very divergent in terms of how he presents himself, how he raps and what sort of beats he makes. I have this playlist that I keep trying to make, but I haven't quite finished called Is It King Cruel or Dean Blunt? And some tracks, you can blend them back to back. A lot of people to the untrained ear could not tell who it is. Now, let's talk about Dean Blunt's influences. In many ways, there's obviously rap, there's obviously looped samples. He does sing and rap. If you don't know anything about Dean Blunt, he is a British rapper that has been in a, in and around for the last 10, 15 years and is very underground. You're not meant to know too much about him and he likes it that way. You could say the Viper the Ripper is an influence. You could say that Arthur Russell is an influence and he's heavily respected in the uh, hip hop scene because he is like an art school rapper in many ways. King Cruel, on the other hand, influences are Billy Bragg, Chet Baker, the Pixies. And when I was listening to it, I thought Antonio Carlos Jobim. And then I looked up an article with uh, King Cruel, Archie Marshall, who said that as well, because he uses a lot of jazz chords in his work. And if you've been following King Cruel for many years, he is that kind of, like I said, troubadour that's been putting out very simple atmospheric guitar music that's kind of a bit 80s in a sense, but also very new to hip hop indie tracks going on where they converge is over a love for sampling and loops so take for example king cruel his alter ego is edgar the Beatmaker, and he makes these really soulful loops out of usually guitar music dean blunt on the on the other hand also takes elements of say david bowie and loops that and then raps over that. It's going down. Everybody knows that I'm coming round. And those two converge to a point where Dean Blunt is rapping to the point where he's almost singing, and King Cruel is singing to the point of almost rapping, that they become almost the same person. The second convergence group that I'd like to talk about is Baby Metal. If you don't know about Baby Metal, used to be a trio of young, young, young Japanese women in a kawaii metal band. In the lineage that I learned about recently of Japanese boy and girl groups, the Japanese idol group, one was started in 2010 called Baby Metal, which had, I swear they were like less than 10 years old, some of them. Two cheerleader type singers on the side, one lead singer in the middle, young girls wearing these goth, metal, almost schoolgirl outfits. And then behind them, they had a heavy metal ensemble band called the Kami Band playing legitimate metal. And the concept behind this is that they were crossing heavy metal and Japanese idol music at the same time. On the surface, you could look at K-pop groups like Dreamcatcher or something like that and be like, okay, sure. Like how heavy could it be? How metal could it be? It's just pop music. And this is their concept. Incorrect. The Kami Band is a legit metal band who really shreds and are really going out there playing very, very, very heavy metal. But at the same time, you have this cute Japanese 
kind of weirdly schoolgirl aesthetic that's going on with the front leaders of the group. Now, where there is a convergence is that this could have existed solely in Japan as a Japanese idol concept, but it ended up gaining traction to the point where they are globally known in the metal scene where they perform at festivals. Now, as a Westerner and seeing this, it is a bit odd. It can be a bit strange because there's these young girls early on, especially in these almost like goth schoolgirl outfits. But at the same time, you see these videos of baby metal at German metal concerts and everyone absolutely going insane and moshing. And the, the convergence of Japanese idol, J-pop and metal is such a small needle to thread that I would argue before they existed is impossible where you could have acceptance of both worlds at the same time. Now, where I think this succeeded is because the Kami band that backs baby metal is a serious band and it sounds heavy. And then if you were just a Japanese metal band that's going out there playing, it would be a, a lot harder to stand out, a lot harder to be accepted into a straight metal world because there's lots of metal groups out there. But when you have a point of difference where you have these high-pitched female vocals singing at the top of their lungs in Japanese, it becomes almost absurd where the point to which, and I think this is a theme that is going on in this podcast, is that it kind of shocks you into thinking about something in a completely different way, which is the, the beauty of music and convergence, that if you're presented it in the right light where you can remove all your pretenses and dispositions and biases, and you can look at it with a fresh lens of like, I've never seen this before, this is kind of absurd, and then go, all right, this is kind of rock and roll. I'm really into this, Is which is where I think Baby Metal got to. And if you watch those videos on YouTube, they are insane, they're bonkers, and everyone's kind of like, in it for a laugh, but then in it for the right reasons as well, which is like, this is heavy and this is great. The next convergence that I like to talk about, which I find really interesting that I've seen a lot on my For You page is black audiences and pop punk or Midwestern pop punk. It's a thing from what I've seen that outside of the normal expectations of what we might be in different cultures be into musically, that there is a subset of uh, black audiences and creators that talk about their love for Paramore, for Panic at the Disco, for groups that represent the kind of more angsty teen emo side of things. And why I find this convergence really interesting is that all these groups existed in the early, early 2000s to early 2010s. And at that point when music was going through a revolution of you know, rock and roll dying, of hip hop on the rise, that what emo pop punk, Midwest punk represents is a disaffected youth, is an angst, is an emotional side of youth that is captured the best in that genre. I think it's really interesting because when you think about emo, pop punk, Midwest punk, is it is largely a white audience. You would consider and imagine when you look out into the crowd, it's a largely white audience. But what I love about this convergence and what certain creators I've seen on social networks talk about is that they love these artists too because it represented something in their youth and almost being a weirdo, being an outsider and having that kind of angst moment and pop punk allowing that where at the same time when you're talking about the rise of hip hop in the mid 2000s of, or the rise, but like 
the supersizing of hip hop through Kanye West or Drake or Outkast or Lil Wayne, there is a different expression of strength, power, or frustration or youth. But emo music happens to do that in a way that's so almost adolescent that is missing from a lot of those genres that I think that the convergence of black audiences and pop punk music is such a beautiful thing. The next convergence I'd like to talk about is EDM and basically every genre under the sun. EDM is a funny one because I have this running theory that EDM is the future of all music because it is the uniter of all genres. And I say that as someone that is not involved, engaged, or even listens to EDM in any way. But you look at things like Tomorrowland, the festival, you look at certain artists and how massive they are. It's like football, soccer. You can be a huge, 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 huge football player for the whole world. And everyone that's into football knows about this person. But if you don't, they're a nobody. You don't know who they are, but they might be the most followed person in the world. It's I think EDM is kind of like the football of the music world because it unites every language and genre. And they're able to do that in such a mass way, but it's still almost like adjacent to the mainstream where all of these artists aren't represented in Billboard. They aren't represented on the front page of magazines, but they have probably a bigger following than most mainstream pop artists out there. And what I love about EDM is that in terms of convergence, they combine so many different genres that without any discrimination, so some of the biggest EDM songs are mashups between trap and EDM or classical and EDM. For example, there's a massive Stevie Aoki song with Kid Cudi and the song Pursuit of Happiness. You have Skrillex and El Chapo with The Game. You have Tiesto with Gucci Man and boom, all of these massive, massive EDM songs that exist separately outside of rap and trap. But EDM's like, no, we're all cool. We'll just take the best of the best and we'll make it into a billion stream song that the whole EDM world will love, but no one else is going to hear. You can also see other genres getting mashed up like punk or classical. Tiesto has this massive classical song, Adagio and something where... EDM is basically looking for drops. They're looking for the most dramatic, biggest song that they can possibly make. So where the convergence to my point of this podcast happens is that they are looking for absolutely anything, the best part of any genre, and they'll take that and put a drop behind it. The last convergence I want to talk about is a bit more of a specific one, which is Harumi Hasono and Harry Styles. So to track back, it's a little bit of a full circle thing. So Harumi Hasono was in a folk pop rock group called Happy End. Horumi Sono became one of the three members in Yellow Magic Orchestra. But before that, he released an album called Hosono House. And Hosono was inspired by American pop, British pop, Paul McCartney, James Taylor, put out this record called Hosono House, where he recorded his album in his house with his bandmates, quite a, a introverted, beautiful, folksy, record. Now you fast forward to say 2017, 2018, Harry Styles becoming at the peak of his powers, formerly of One Direction, learns about Hosono and Hosono House and the aesthetic, the sound, 
which was kind of the emergence of Japanese pop in that sort of what people would later call city pop. And as well as this convergence of American and British sounds made by Japanese men and inspired Harry Styles to make his Grammy Award winning album called Harry's House. Now, originally, Harry Styles wanted to make this record in his house and make the same sort of feel of this kind of like very woody, very woolly, homely type album. And it, it definitely moved away from that. But where I find the convergence in this particular example interesting is that the convergence of cultures started with Hosono and making Americanized Japanese music, which then in turn started to influence Americanized popular music in Japan generally. And then 50 odd years later, traveling all the way to back to the UK, where a young pop star sees this and is inspired by that to make his own version of Hosono House, Harry's House, which is inspired by that same kind of expression of home, expression of a real personal idea of music and then reintroducing that concept back to fans whereby Harry Styles is telling audiences about Harumi Hosono and Hosono's house but also about this concept that was devised by Harumi Hosono. So this goes back to what I was talking about about how convergence happens when audiences can be introduced in a safe space to genres, artists, cultures that they would not have been exposed to through the artists they love. And I think Harry's house, Harry Styles, Hosono's house is a great example of a convergence of artists, culture, and fans that will only continue to have multiple cycles of evolutions of inspiring each other. Jumping here to introduce the sponsor for this week, which you all know very well, which is Turntable Lab the trusted source, say it with me, of audio gear and records for the past 20 years. So how can I tell you about it if you don't know about it? If you want anything from a stylist to a turntable to a speakers to cables to all the paraphernalia that does and should go with record collecting, turntables, audio gear, then this is the place where you can get it. It's for beginners as well as enthusiasts. They also have the lab, which has over 100,000 records that you can choose from. And what's nice about it is sometimes for me, especially postage can be a big deal. But if you have used, if you employ their four or more deal, which is you get 10% off if you buy four or more records, then that kind of pays for your shipping in many ways. So why wouldn't you take advantage of that deal? Go to turntablelab.com or turntablelab.com forward slash Derek for a few of my selections of recommendations of beginner turntables, beginner stylus, Things like that also dreams things that I'd like to buy. But thank you, Turntable Lab, the trusted source for audio gear for sponsoring the podcast. So I'd like to conclude with three things. Convergence and what I've presented to you in terms of things coming from different tracks into one crossover point does in many ways represent how there are a problem with genres and how people want to categorize things into particular places, King Cruel being this and Dean Blunt being that. But essentially, they are artists and they're essentially making very similar music, but they would never be considered the same unless it was presented in a particular context, which is why I've always been on my crusade of genres being somewhat meaningless. Secondly, I'd like to introduce you to this concept by Carl Jung called synchronicity, which says to describe circumstances that appear meaningfully related yet lack a causal connection. Causal connection, which is to say that some genres, some artists, baby metal and German metal, they do have a connection through metal. 
but Japanese music and the respect of that in German metal is almost impossible. But that causal connection, which is to say that shock value and resetting of the brain means that synchronicity can happen where people end up loving something that they would refuse if you were to ask point blank without even hearing the music that they would be into. And lastly, I think I conclude that in order for convergence to really happen, you do have separate tracks that end up converging, but people might not even notice that these things converge like King Cruel and Dean Blunt. And I think what it takes is certain artists, certain journalists, certain tastemakers, certain festivals to present like baby metal, a context in which audiences can experience these things in a safe space and almost respect it in a new light. Because if I played a German metal fan, baby metal, they might be like, oh, gross. But then if you show it in a place where everyone can kind of enjoy it collectively and be surprised by it together and flick a switch in their brain that it is ostensibly the same thing, that that can really turn convergence into a celebration of a whole new different but same thing that has been Derek G speaks volumes we're all going to become EDM fans peace love unity and respect or whatever it is and I'll see you on the next podcast